Hello, everybody. I'm Natalia, and you are listening to another edition of O100 Conferences podcast. The topic of women and private equity is now receiving more attention than ever before. Women make up only 10% of senior employees at private equity firms worldwide, according to data provider Perkin. Private equity stubborn gender imbalance has improved somewhat in recent years, but the industry top ranks remain overwhelmingly male. However, fixing the gender gap takes more than policy changes. I'm pleased to introduce you the first of its kind discussion, eliminating the gender gap in private equity. Our guests are Kinga Stanislavska, a founder and general partner at Experience Venture Fund, Thea Messel, founder and managing partner at Unconventional Ventures, and Shiva Dostart, a head of Division for Innovation and Finance Advisory at European Investment Bank. The moderator of this panel discussion will be Raina Froling, a managing partner at Constellation Capital. Today in the podcast, we'll look together at the examples of successful women in private equity and venture capital world, and we'll discuss the importance of eliminating the gender gap in this sector. After the podcast is over, make sure you check the latest news from 100 conferences on our official website. Without any further ado, Rainer and eliminating the gender gap. Good afternoon, everybody, all over the world, I guess. Uh, my name is Rainer Fröhlich, I make it short. I'm the founder and uh, managing partner of Constellation Capital, Swiss-based. We are investing in the DACH uh, space. I'm a physicist from background. I'm a climatologist as well and a former teacher in physics. My God. But uh, that means uh, a lot of sensitivity for the current subjects uh, and also obviously very much affected by the matter of gender gap. Uh, just to finish, uh, in the company of Constellation, we have 50-50 ladies and gentlemen, which is a good start, but there's much more to say. And uh, I would ask uh, now to have our panel speakers to introduce themselves. Uh, may I ask uh, Kinga to start and then go on with Thea and Chiba. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Rainer. Um, Kinga Stanisławska, I'm the founder, the general partner of Exterior VC. It was, we think, the first fund in Europe that fundraised and is managed by solely women. Uh, we have since then recruited some senior men, by the way, because we very much support diversity. Um, Exterior is investing in deep tech software, looking at links with Central and Eastern Europe. Um, I'm also the founder of a platform which unites senior women in venture. It's called European Women in VC. It's available on LinkedIn. We are at the moment doing a series of interviews with really successful female leaders of venture capital funds across Europe, Israel, and then sometimes uh, other regions as well. So very much inviting everyone to watch that. Um, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much, Kinga. We come back to you later. Uh, let's move on with Thea, please. Thank you, Rainier. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Thea Messel. I am a Norwegian based in Copenhagen in the Nordic region. I run a small VC called Unconventional Ventures. Uh, and we are quite in unconventional in our investment thesis, but very fitting into this panel. We invest in underrepresented founders. So founders that identify as women, uh, part of the LGBTQ community, or people of color. And we do that because we can see there are some great potential in actually channeling funds directly towards those profiles that we traditionally haven't seen that much in the tech industry. We go in very early. We prefer to be one of the first checks because we think that's where we really can target the, 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 the good potential. So we go in pre-seed and seed. Um, we invest, we are vertical agnostic, but we do prefer companies that typically also target underserved segments that, that these founders represent. We uh, are a sort of a triple impact fund in the sense that not only having impact in the way we channel our funds towards what founders, we are all female team in terms of the GP uh, composition. And, and at at the companies that we actually invest in, uh, we only invest in what we call for impact tech. So scalable impact tech that has positive either of environmental or social character at the core of the business model. 
because we believe that is the the future super zebras of 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 uh, those who are going to be winning as we go. So very happy to be here and looking forward to a very fruitful discussion. Very interesting. Thank you, Thea. Uh, so please, Shiva, short presentation. Yes. So hello, my name is Shiva Dustar. I'm the head of innovation finance advisory at the European Investment Bank. Now, I think this audience knows our subsidiary, the European Investment Fund, quite well. So this is the mothership, so to speak. Um, I'm uh, heading an area that is actually... Um, advising innovative companies to have better access to finance, uh, but we also look at what are the next big investment opportunities for the European Investment Bank when it comes to innovation and also some of the very sort of cross-cutting themes. And indeed, gender is in, has been identified as one of those. We recently published a report, which you can download on our website. So I'll do a quick plug for it. It's um, titled Funding uh, Women Entrepreneurs. Uh, very much, um, you know, telling us that this is an area where also the public sector, the European Investment Bank and its subsidiary have an important role to play, uh, both in ensuring that we are uh, targeting and identifying proactively those investment opportunities, supporting women-led companies, but also enabling the wider ecosystem. Um, basically, uh, some of the funds that are uh, present here uh, today at the panel, but also in the com in the wider uh, conference. How can we ensure that those funds have better access um, to uh, to perhaps public resources in order to support their gender smart investing? So glad to be here at this panel. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are already diverse uh, activities present here, which is quite exciting. And uh, But uh, the, the current subject is gender gaps. And so I think uh, we should focus on this. And she uh, you gave us a very good uh, entry point there. But I would like to ask Kinga about her view about the matter. Uh, I know you are very active in various fields and uh, you have already some numbers in your play, and I would like to start with these numbers. We can argue and discuss afterwards about them. Uh, please, uh, your, your, your word, please. We have been looking as European women in VC into the matter of female managing partners, general partners across the venture landscape. Um, and there are, of course, certain reports that can be found on the Internet tackling this issue. Uh, in the U.S., there is All Rise, which is an amazing organization, which is showing exactly the composition of female versus male general partners and also lower down uh, as you go through the investment team. Diversity VC in the U.K. has done an amazing job also showing diversity across the venture capital sector. Um, Thea, of course, she will talk about the Nordic region and her report that they published this unconventional ventures just recently, which is really, really good. I've also seen recently a report that's been done by IFC and CDC together on the regions that they are investing in. Um, and what we are seeing in general from all this data is that the number of general partners, now I mean females that actually own a part of the management company, not someone with a partner title, is somewhere between 5 and 12%, uh, depending on the region. Um, it seems in Europe it's pretty low with especially the kind of funds that are interesting from a flexibility and a returns perspective because those tend to be the larger funds. It's just easier to invest at different stages if your fund is larger and you have more of a management fee at your disposal. So in those larger funds, the number of women general partners in Europe is closer to the 5%. Um, there are, of course, a number of micro VCs, and now I'm talking about funds of 5, 10, 20 million euros that are popping up with female general partners. The problem is that they can't really go a long way because they need to either fund very, very early or they cannot do the follow-on investments because of the fund size. So this is an issue that is close at heart, and this is something that I think jointly we can definitely tackle in Europe. 
The reason being is that we are doing, uh, we need to change two things. First of all, investing in women is a great opportunity, uh, financial opportunity. Women, uh, which is from this recent IFC report, um, when they represent at least 30% in senior investment roles, these kind of funds generate 20% higher returns. So there are numbers out there that have started to prove it. Um, however, we need to really see that financing female-led companies is something that can generate unicorn-level returns. And we, don't, we shouldn't be leaving money on the table. We shouldn't be not financing something that is very, very financially attractive as the VC sector. And the second issue that I would like to put on the table is that as venture capitalists, we're very, very privileged in the sense of whoever we finance has a much higher success rate than those that we don't finance. And if we are thinking about the way we want to live in Europe, the kind of services we want for a consumer, the kind of services we want for corporates, the way we want to conduct our everyday lives and our businesses, then really what we should be funding is a diverse pool of startups that can deliver the various um, services. And having more of a diverse investment team, more females on the investment team, means that we are going to finance a more diverse portfolio. It means we are going to hire more female uh, personnel, especially in technical areas in our portfolio. It means we are more likely to finance female founders and female co-founders. So actually, the top-level decision of where to allocate funds coming from family offices, coming from pension funds, coming from fund of funds, coming from places like EIF, has a huge impact down on all the different financing levels and all the different parts of the ecosystem and it can be super positive if um, such an LP decides to be a leader in this area. So I think uh, Shiva's report with the EIB very much covers this idea of more diversity, more female funding in general to build um, a society of basically greater value for all of us and for all its parts. I think that's a very strong statement and a very good statement. Uh, I can only replicate that from my personal experience. Uh, we had always had, now we have also 50% uh, uh, female in our business. We have two of three GP board members are uh, female uh, and have extremely good experience. So this is a, it's almost a, a no-brainer already that uh, uh, women can be, unfortunately, even better than men uh, many times, and uh, we at least should take that opportunity. I like the approach, Kinga. We're not talking about that we should have women because it is a quota of women in a in a board or in a in a group, but it's just not missing opportunities and talent. And uh, I think uh, it's very easy to see that there's a lot of talent around. Uh, let's go a bit a step further how to get there. You know, you have already given a lot of facts. Uh, what is the situation today and what are the opportunities? Uh, but how to, can we can get there? Uh, there? Can I give you the word there to see your way we could find there? So I, yeah, and I just wanted to have a little link. So I, I, I come from the Nordic region and, and what the Nordic region is famous for is actually being the most equal region in the world. So what we've been doing uh, has actually been diving into the data, particularly for the Nordics, because what we can see, though we're performing quite well on other equality aspects, when it, when it comes to venture funding, we were actually on some parameters lacking behind the US, lacking behind the UK, and, and how can that be when when we are so proud of being so equal in that region? And and I think just to, to build on what Kinga already um, pointed out, there's something about who are the decision makers and, and how that actually related relates to who gets funding. Because I think everybody agrees that, yes, we, we would like to see more women getting funding or more underrepresented founders getting funding. But how, how do we actually get there? We did an analysis where we looked into 
um, particularly the diversity of, of the funds and the organization of the funds that invested in the, in the Nordics. And we could see similarity to what we've seen in, in other research in the US, that there is a strong correlation between what is the diversity of the fund managers or the fund management. So when you look at the partner level, but also the, the organization in general, and, and how is that correlated to what extent they actually invest diverse? Because I don't think there's any investment managers or, or partners out there that by fault or uh, consciously chooses not to invest in women. Um, but, but there are some very sort of specific things when it comes to venture funding, and particularly early stage venture funding, what is really about how do I really assess this founder and do I understand where this founder's potential come from and do I understand that? So, so in our research, you see there was a strong correlation between to what extent was there diversity on the management team and the, on the partner level and to what extent did they actually end up uh, funding more diverse? So to be very concrete, yes, we need the funds to be more diverse, but we also need the GPs to be a more diverse outset. And, and in order to break that cycle, because everybody can see from the research that female founder companies actually overperform at the end of the day. We have research from, from the US, from BCG a couple of years back, stating it, it female founder companies actually overperform by 2.5x. We did that same uh, analysis in the Nordics and we got up to female founder companies overperformed by 1.45x. So, it, 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 so, so the business case is there and, and how do we actually do that shift? And I, there I think the more and more aware the limited partners, so the pension funds, the family offices, institutions like EIF, get very aware of we actually need more diversity on the GP level to break that um, that cycle in a sense, because we can see that the business case is there, but how do we actually make sure we have enough general partners that actually represent that diversity? And then that, that will automatically um, create change in who gets funding. And at the end of the day, we will see more and more innovation be successful because we know diversity wins both on performance profit-wise, but particularly also profit coming from innovation. So I will go back to it's all about the GPs and it's all about the LPs. Over to you, Shiva. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh. I would love to, to take it uh, here and uh, go back to Shiva. Uh, you know, it's pure, it's, it's, it's I would say, no brain that talent between uh, male, female and all these categories are, are spread over all over the same. Uh, talent is not something reserved to one or the other group. So if one group is only 5 or 12%, as uh, Inga mentioned before, and the other is 88%, so something is wrong. I think we are not at the best for the talent. Uh, and, and now we go back to institutions, because this to, to, to know is the first step. I think, frankly, Inga, forgive me, but I didn't know that. And I was surprised when you mentioned it the first time, and I haven't studied, uh, I haven't seen that studies. Uh, and. Uh, even I haven't seen the general report, whatever might be my mistake. Uh, Shiva, what can we do more that this becomes more known, broadly known, and, and people get more incentivized to think about it and do something about it and for it? Yes, indeed. I mean, where, I mean, there is, uh, this is a, one of those questions which uh, really requires um, thinking at different levels. I would say there is definitely, we're talking here also of reaching certain tipping points and really mindset changes through maybe generational shifts through just greater awareness that some of the ways we're looking at maybe investments and i'm talking not just now from gender perspective but let's say innovation and climate i mean you're a climatologist if you look at it some of our fundamental beliefs are being completely questioned you know um we are doing a lot of work on circular economy i'm just bringing this up because you know there is this view that the linear economy is the the safe play way and circular is very risky as we were discussing in this gender talk, it's all about the status quo is the safe place and then all of a sudden you know you add an element of risk to it by bringing in this uh, minority you know bringing in women into this the amazing thing, and I guess the pandemic and the climate crisis is showing us, for instance, that linear is actually the really risky, you know, when you have supply chains that are linear right now, that's when you're uh, vulnerable. And circular business models are ultimately going to be more resilient. But of course, to get there, you need to, you know, perhaps invest in some um, 
higher risk technologies, the transition period will have certain risks embedded. So when I look at what we are discussing here, it's, you know, to get to that mindset change, you know, the question is, you know, you of course get, get through it with amazing uh, women like the ones on this panel who are actually in the trenches, setting up funds, investing in companies. In order to scale it up, I think we do need to now look at also the institutional money that's coming from governments and from the European Union, because ultimately these are funds that are, I guess, taxpayers, you know, taxpayer money. The population is 50-50. I mean, you, at some stage, you can no longer justify that there is perhaps not that certain level of, um, yeah, um, I would say level playing field approach from the public sector looking at right now the business opportunities. And I would say, you know, the more we show how ultimately this is the way to go, soon I would expect that when we look at companies that have, you know, non-diverse and I'm, you know, whether it is now gender or other uh, diversity factors, non-diverse boards, non-diverse management, that's a risk factor. In, you know, if the data more and more shows that performance improves and you, you know, you will, you know, that's when hopefully you will realize that as a company, you need to bring it, embrace this. And that's where I hope you get to that system change, you know, because obviously we need to operate at the, at the level of, of, of individual companies, at individual funds, but we also need to find ways to really get to that rethinking of where is the risk, where is the opportunity. And once this is better understood, I would expect that you will have much more, um, yeah, much more capital going towards. I, I want to dig a bit deeper now, Shiva, and, and you are at the source of the data, at least. Uh, you know, you are having the chance to see many European countries. And, you know, we are so diverse. It's a huge opportunity. We see uh, that, and that was interesting already, that the Norwegian are more advanced in this than maybe some other countries. I don't want to take some example, but uh, if I'm talking about Switzerland, it's certainly not a pro uh, prototype country in this way. Um, is it possible to make analysis and document this analysis about which countries are more forward-looking and more developed in, in, in having female fund managers, let me say like this, because this is at the end what we're doing, um, uh, performing at least as good as the others and, and uh, at least uh, having their strengths, which others don't have. Just communicating about what kind of reasons, and there are enough of them, could be uh, considered in going in, in this by showing the example of a, a nation, like uh, as we have heard now from Denmark. And uh, well, I, I hear the Scandinavian countries are yeah, much more advanced there than some others. Uh, and and while well, you have the oversight, is there a possibility to show this in, in documentations, uh, in analytics? Well, I mean, uh, so our report actually, and you can uh, look it up, our report has looked actually at the at the data from the companies. So, you know, where are there hotspots of women-led companies in when you look at the European uh, Union? And indeed, Sweden, of course, is one of those key countries. Uh, the UK is another one. But interesting enough, you have also uh, France, Germany, Spain, um, you know, showing more and more such women-led companies. And what I see now generally with the greater, um, on our side, with a greater awareness that this, that there are, you know, there are actually such, um, more and more such companies coming up. We are proactively reaching out to actually identify these, uh, to, to sort of find these companies. And what we're realizing is all over Europe, I mean, in Eastern, Central Europe, we come across some really amazing, innovative companies. They have a very, I would say the, the edge we see is they are very often looking at it from a gender smart lens, meaning they're in the biotech sector, but they're saying, yes, but the biotech sector needs to now bring a gender lens in the R&D activities and so they are on sustainability they're looking at it from who are the consumers and the consumers being women maybe the packaging of products you know we can sort of bring a business model that actually appeals so I mean this is 
I see a lot of um, very innovative companies all over right now, Europe, that are, you know, that could benefit from additional capital that comes from the European Union through the European Innovation Council, where Kinga uh, is also in the investment committee. I mean, so that's the European Innovation Council is a really important source of patient capital. And I would recommend any companies out there uh, to, um, you know, to basically look it up. But also equally, I would say to the uh, venture capital and private equity community, you know, the EIC is an anchor investor in companies. So also make sure that, you know, when you see companies coming out of the EIC, you take a closer look at those because they will continue needing capital. And I believe the EIC is going to be a very interesting example of hopefully bringing in more capital to women-led companies through a 20, is it 25%? or 20% targets that the EIC has for that. So I, I give the yeah. form to Kinga and Thea to, to yeah. add to it. But this is, so looking at it, you know, it's not actually anymore. I think it's an old thinking to think that only there's a monopoly, you know, somewhere in Europe, that's where they are. We see companies popping up. Talent is spread all over and, and so fluid. That, that and is mobile. a good sign. That would be yes. a good sign. It's not only Scandinavia or not even, uh, let's say, Denmark, Sweden or Norway. I'm sure Norway. even Switzerland has quite a lot, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I promise you we are working on it. We are working on it. You know, the voting for female was only allowed in Switzerland in the in the 20th century. So we are working hard on this and uh, by own purely egoistic because, you know, we have pretty good voting now in Switzerland since they are part of it. Uh, King of the European uh, Investment Council uh, is something interesting for me. Can you a bit more enlighten what uh, what is going on there? Sure. Um, I guess what was discovered, I think we have data for 2017, um, is that only 2.2% of money in Europe from a venture capital perspective went to female founders. Um, I saw that somewhere in, in one of the uh, older EIC folders, and that's quite scary data. Um, so on the back of that, uh, the European Commission has been looking at how to strengthen the female founders community right across Europe, how to ensure a more fair access to investment capital. And uh, the target at this point is, as Shiva said, to finance at least 20% uh, of the money available should go to female founders and female co-founders. And this is the target for the next couple of years. Of course, uh, as you probably know, it's uh, now the end of Horizon 2020. The new Horizon program starts in January. Um, and um, under that, uh, this will be one of the leading areas of focus to ensure that EIC fund, which is now um, 100% owned fund uh, by the European Commission registered in Luxembourg, that has started investing already and can invest up to euro per company in equity or convertibles, that the EIC fund will have in its mission to finance obviously all the patient capital, deep tech, IP-driven startups that we are looking to um, to grow in Europe, to develop, to ensure that we are the technology leader as Europe out there. But one of the focus areas has been female investment. And um, the way that under the old program, which is available still now this year, um, the way that the grants and the equity were given is that there are these cutoff dates. And one of the cutoff dates this year was obviously COVID-related, which you can imagine. But another one was looking specifically for female founders. And there actually the percentage of female founders was bigger than 20% that applied. And, you know, so you have this one statistic of two and a bit percent of, of venture capital funds going to female founders. And then you have this over 20% of female founders going through the EIC process and showing that they are very much capable of delivering incredible products. Uh, with great commercialization skills and with value for society. So all these things come together. Um, and um, this is an important source of capital, I think, from for female founders moving forward, but also for anyone out there who's a founder of a deep 
IP-driven company, of a deep tech company that needs more of a patient capital model that uh, is more R&D focused. So really the IAC fund is uh, the first port of call for a co-investor who is willing to take a lot of the risk in this very, very early stage, in particular during the R&D period, which we all understand can be long. Uh, I mean, just to give an example of a European company that these days is super successful, let's look at CureVac, um, which we all know from the media because they're one of the leaders in looking for the COVID, um, uh, for the COVID immunizations. And um, there you will probably, or you may not know, that CureVac, I think, is 17 or 18 years old um, as a company. So that shows the necessary R&D processes that are sometimes necessary to produce real breakthrough innovation. Um, they take a while. And I guess what we want to do is to have as many of those kind of heavy technology, heavy IP, real value companies in Europe. Hopefully a lot of them will have female uh, founders or co-founders or important uh, people actually. The head of science uh, in CureVac is female, and she's also Polish. So <laughs> that's also a, a nice uh, thing to say, I think, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, what I just want to add to this also is that when we are funding female founders, um, as any kind of founders, the founder all, often solves a problem that they are tackling themselves. So something that they see that doesn't fit. Uh, they're trying to uh, do something on an everyday level and they see a gap in the market and they want to fill that gap. That's very often the case for starting a startup. And um, what female founders see um, is they see a lot of issues to do with uh, health, female health, childcare, elderly care, or lifestyle type of products and solutions or medical solutions because females are the ones that tend to be taking care of the family and its health, the education aspects, but also they tend to make between 60 and 70% of consumer decisions in the family. So in fact, it's a huge pool of opportunity if we finance those founders that are addressing these kind of issues, these kind of challenges, and providing the solutions that fit them, the people they know, their friends, and a wider circle of other similar, um, you know, people with the, meeting the similar challenges. So I think this is the huge opportunity out there. Um, I think, you know, if you look at B2B, it's more of an even playing field. But if you look specifically at the long chain of going B2B to C or B2C, then really uh, the uh, Kinga, uh, uh, here I, I will ask you afterwards about, did you know all about this, the European Council and these uh, priorities and this focus they have on the female founders? Uh, before, I want to just mention in a few minutes we start to have questions answered. So I will read you some questions. We have some questions coming in. And uh, so after there, there will be questions uh, discussed and answered. Yeah, what about this European Investment Council having this program? What did you know about it and what do you think about it? Yeah, no, I, I do now because Kinga sent me the link a couple of days ago. So very good. <laughs> like Kinga, but I <laughs> good think, start. I think it's uh, I think these programs are very important. And I think we should not be so, you know, afraid of labeling something towards a specific founder segment, like for instance, women. Um what we receive, obviously we're quite explicit we only invest in underrepresented so you have to be sort of a woman you have to be a person of color or connect to the lgbtq community and and because we are so outspoken about that 98 of our deal flow is that so i think that that's also sort of a piece of the puzzle if you actually target your founder segment uh, strategically and very clearly and being open-minded about that you will automatically have a more natural deal flow of that founder segment. So, so if you if you not necessarily have a gender lens investment today, but you want to see your portfolio to become more diverse, well, obviously it's a process. If you only have 
uh, white male, straight male in your boards and party positions and in your in your organization. There's there's some work to be done there, but but be transparent about that and be transparent about where you want to go, and and that diverse deal flow will come your way, because these founders they they are on a mission to change big problems, uh, but they also are on a mission to find a committed investor that going to be in in company with them for the next 10 15 years so so by being transparent about that you 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 automatically will attract more diverse deal flow and and then i also want to in, in terms of labeling things there's been some reluctance in the in terms of these female founded accelerator programs that are focusing being very targeted to that segment but what we can see that there's this strong community about around female founders that are being built up and that is so important particularly for for women and underrepresented groups because they, because the tech industry in general is very monoculture it's more difficult to find those networks where you can connect and get get sort of the knowledge sharing necessary so so that's also an extra fuel with having those kind of targeted pools of either programs or 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 capital and so so that will be my sort of urge to to both the institutions and and if you as a fund manager want to attract more diverse deal flow and then i also want to say in terms of overall when you look at the venture industry obviously these big startup hubs and we particularly in the nordics we can see that with with stockholm and sweden is because those hubs that have had these major exits that will have an enormous ripple effect of the ecosystem in general so we, we see a lot of venture partners now coming out of Klarna coming out of Spotify um coming out of these big big unicorn successes out of Sweden so so that's also why we really need to break we need to break that chain fast so we can deploy a lot of capital into diverse founders so they can be successful and then organically we will see more and more GPs being diverse well and uh, one opportunity for everybody being on this uh, now gender gap uh, conference is to addressing them to you. I think you can be reached via the conference list uh, of participants and speakers, and they should do so. I think it's walk the talk. It's a very important point. Uh, by the way, there are more than 200, I just heard, far beyond 200 who are listening to us right now. And the, the questions come in now very quickly, and I, I'm working hard to work them down as much as we can for the few minutes we have. So there's one question from Eric Schreiner. What can general partners do to move toward gender balance in their leadership teams and those of the portfolio companies they invest in? Uh, I would like to start, and I'll give you a few minutes to give your points about it. Uh, as I'm a managing partner and I'm running a GP, uh, it's, uh, it's our fifth fund we do at the moment, and we have regularly having involved uh, um, female uh, on all levels, by the way, including partner levels. Uh, it's It's first to be convinced that this is an opportunity. I don't do this because I have to. I do this because we had very good experience and until today. And I mentioned already that one of our seniors is uh, pregnant at the moment and she's doing an incredible job still being pregnant. You know, I'm, I'm not sure sometimes she's doing an even better job than others do without being well, pregnant. Um, so this is uh, my point of view. It's just wisdom experience. Uh, I'm now since almost 30 years in private equity and I made this experience and I'm really, and I invite, by the way, all who hear us here to approach and speak up. Uh, we need you in these positions. And that's my top-down approach about this question. Now I repeat it again. What can general partners do to move toward gender balance in their leadership? I would give it back to Kinga first, please. Okay. Um, I think, you know, if you are an established fund, then uh, there are various things that you can do. First of all, you can um, try to tailor make the uh, recruiting process at the very bottom more gender balanced. So to try and ensure that the way you are recruiting, the way you are messaging out there, because you're always recruiting interns, analysts, associates, just to ensure that from the bottom going up, you are uh, passing the message on that everyone is welcome, that a diverse team of uh, interns or analysts or associates is something that you desire because you see this as one of your values. So I think looking at the bottom uh, of, the, of the kind of uh, investment decision group, 
I think there is a lot that you can do to promote this message, um, which is speaking at conferences, which is the way that um, you are publishing um, the open opportunities on websites. Um, and then looking at the, the internal culture and policy and just kind of thinking about that. I think that COVID is a, a big opportunity here because it makes things easier for a lot of the investment personnel to have different, you know, to, to have different way that they are working to more adapt to a different time frame. So I do think there's an opportunity in COVID here. Secondly, what I would do um, as a general partner would be to invite female angel investors to co-invest with me um, and build this relationship out there. So the way to do that is there are plenty of females just under IBAN or on the EIF list. I think that there is also a list of angel investors or, or programs like the Atomico program. Blossom Capital is doing another one. So there is a bunch of female angel investors out there that you can co-invest with. Um, the third thing is you can co-invest with other female-run funds and try to bring them in for at least a part of the ticket just to make sure that we are delivering a kind of uh, balanced ecosystem to the company. When you are the lead investor, you can always uh, invite someone for 10, 15% of the round uh, and try to include at least at the investment uh, team level, so at the investor group level, a more of a balanced uh, group. And then the other thing that I think you can do as a general partner, which would be super helpful if you're a male general partner, is to give advice to those emerging managers who are female, how they should fundraise. If you can help with this, if you can give guidelines, advice, if you can introduce emerging female managers to relevant LPs, this is a super helpful way for an emerging manager to start out. So I think, you know, we need to have both. We need to have uh, the females joining the venture capital sector seeing it as an open sector, as a fair, as a gender balanced sector, that's from the bottom going up. But we also need to support all the females that are trying to build their funds to make sure that this happens and that we have female co-investors co-investing with us. So that would be kind of my message. That was very comprehensive, I would say, and I fully agree and I, I support particularly the, the bottom-up approach. You know, we have to start with a, a Hiring, wherever it is. Shiva, you can please. Yeah, can I just add to? I mean, Kinga's list was very comprehensive and coming from obviously somebody who is, who is uh, walking the talk. What I would perhaps add is what came out also in our uh, in our study as a, a comment, um, which perhaps is also interesting in this conversation. Meaning, maybe greater awareness that we, of course, all have conscious and unconscious biases, and what seems to happen, or at least that's what, uh, is that women, um, whether it's in, as fundraisers, uh, as, uh, you know, whether in fundraising for their company, fundraising for their fund, or potentially interviewing, there is this um, interesting, you know, sort of thinking that you look at the track record when it comes to women and at the potential when you look maybe at men. And, and just being conscious that therefore, you may limit yourself in the talent pool if you look too much perhaps at the track record and maybe not give the same attention that you generally give to potential when you, you know, perhaps interview the, the group that you're most comfortable with. You may actually lose out of, of you know, highly talented uh, people. So I think also... It's not perhaps, uh, you know, that you need to exactly have women who have exactly done this for many years because you limit yourself. Maybe they're actually amazing, talented individuals, as also was, I think, Kinga suggesting, that come from maybe slightly different angle into this, um, you know, have some track record that obviously is important, but you also pay, pay more attention to, to the, to the um, potential that they bring. Well, I think this is extremely important and uh, it makes sense not to talk about individuals, but about teams, you know, and, and a team, a mixed team, my natural common sense says is a broader approach, a broader creative approach.
approach than have a single-minded team or single-gender uh, team, to say so. Uh, I, I jump a bit because there are so many questions, so we don't miss them. Yeah, I, I leave out the, those. Please. Yeah, I'm one. sorry. It's been all around now, so so King and she has pointed out some some great, very good. Just one thing that could be practically also. One thing is co-investing with female GPs or, or emerging manager, but you can also partner with them because particularly these emerging and speaking of experience, we receive a lot of deal flow that one, we either don't have the capital to deploy yet or it's at the latest stage. So it's actually further up the value stream than we, but there's a, there's a unique pipeline and deal flow of companies. So you can also find innovative ways of, of partnering with these female-led funds because they they have a gold mine of deal flow that you can tap into with the right sort of structure and partnership. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, I'm leaving out the question about the gender gap in portfolio companies. It's too complex. It's a different different matter, and it would take enough more time about talking about this. Uh, we are now here in in the investment community and the private equity community. Uh, so I hope. Uh, Eric forgives me for that. And I move on to a, a rather provocative question from Peter. I don't know Peter who, but uh, he says, are there benefits of moving leadership teams towards gender balance with general partners and portfolio companies and data on this? Yeah, benefits. there is. Well, um, <laughs> well, of course there is. There's actually Go lots ahead. of it. McKinsey reports, <laughs> but there is the BCG report, which you might be interested. I think it's from 2019 that talks about boosting the global economy by $5 trillion. Um, so clearly there is a lot of benefits out there and the way to do it is through recruitment. Um, the way to do it is to think about, for example, non-executive directors. Uh, lots of my, my portfolio companies have uh, at least one non-executive director who's independent of funds. Why not, why not uh, take a female? Uh, independent director? Why not find someone who has the skills and the experience necessary and let them join? Um, same goes for recruitment. So I would say that, yes, there are reports. It's a huge benefit. I think um, from the BCG report, it says something like that if you want to boost global economy uh, and grow GDP by, it's like between three and 6% per year, then definitely invest in females. Well, obviously, I think there's plenty around and we should really dig in and everybody can dig in this matter and, and find a lot of reasons and a lot of analysis about this. Uh, a question from Maurice Russia. How gender balanced are leadership teams of general partners which allocate capital and of portfolio companies which receive investments? Well, we come back to the point that we talk about investments as much as portfolio uh, portfolio companies as much as uh, uh, general partners. Anybody of you who wants to raise a hand and give a well, short I, I, I can elaborate yeah. a little bit that. So, so we have ha we do have surveys from the US diving into the correlation between the diversity of the partners. I think on a global level, like you mentioned, also Kinga, between eight and twelve percent general partners are, are women, right? And, and we translated that research into specifically the Nordic region where we looked at, so what is the diversity of the fund, fund manager, those who just take the decisions of the funds, of the investment, and to what extent do they invest diverse? And there was a strong correlation between the more the diverse the, the partner group was, the more diverse they ended up investing. And that was both for the, the Nordic funds investing in the Nordics, but it was also for the international funds uh, outside of the Nordic, investing in the Nordic. So it actually, you can translate that for being the case outside of the Nordics as well. So so yes, there is, we can see that there's better performance when you have diversity in your funds. You know, we're going to invest more diverse in in, in in the portfolio. So, and and when we also can see that there is a correlation between decision makers, gender, and to what extent they invest more diverse. So, so you, you kind of have both sides of the answers and you just need to, to be more diverse in your decision making, and 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 those things will solve over time. But I, I feel like we are a bit of bit of a hurry. Um, yeah, thank you. We're really going to create those well, big innovations and be front runners on that. 
I have the deep feeling we are scratching the surface only at the moment. There's so much more to talk. And, uh, but it's, the discussion is now opened and uh, I see more questions, but also I see the, the watch and uh, we have to be uh, fair to have a, a, a timely end for everybody who is busy the whole day listening. Shiva, please, give your comment, please, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just wanted to, uh, perhaps one uh, idea, one thing I would love is, I think if this panel has... Uh, would be successful if next year at next year's conference, the same conference or whenever it happens again, this panel is three men and one woman talking on this topic. And because ultimately what we need is um, to move away from kind of, yeah, from a small, the, the minority advocating for the minority, because we are really in a space where we are talking investment opportunities, competitiveness, uh, profitability, sustainability. I mean, this is going way beyond gender. I mean, gender is just one way to just reach those objectives that we all have. And therefore, I, I just hope that this is, you know, we could clone you, I guess, Ryan, we need to first clone you maybe uh, and, and find more men uh, in the audience, all those who had these great questions. And if they could next year be in a panel where they talk of the, benefits, risks, you know, whatever, you know, also maybe if they had bad experience, I mean, you know, let's get it out. <laughs> right. Anyway, just a thought. I, yeah, but the reports is a good start and, and talking it is about, you are here now on the panel, they can contact you. I see there are more questions, we, we will have enough questions for next year's meeting. So, uh, and I also heard that we can move to the session side and continue discussion, which I will do now. And whoever likes, uh, including all of you, please try to do so. We thank everybody for the attention and we see and we ag agree that this was just the beginning and there will be much more. That's a big wave running uh, over and that's good. Thank you again, uh, all the audience first, of course, also Natalia for the organization and particularly Shiva, Thea, Inga, for your contributions and let's move to the sessions and continue the discussion there thank you very much thank, thank you, you.